Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I'm excited to talk to a new buddy of mine who I think is going to be really insightful on rural church church pastoring and really having a side hustle and how to pastor a church, but also have full-time work on the sides. I mean, really, you know, a lot of work on his plate that he's doing well. And then as a podcast as well, I'm talking to the man, Clay Connery today. How are you doing, Clay? I'm doing good, Jared. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't we go and pray and then I'll let you tell us a little bit about yourself and all the things that you're up to. Father, we just thank you for this time. I ask for blessing upon this conversation. I thank you for a new brother, a new friend, and all that you're doing. I thank you that his uh, podcast has been effective and helpful, and his work as a as a Christian, as a husband and a father has been fruitful, and just excited to have this conversation. I pray that you'd lead it, and uh, thank you for the, his work as a pastor in a rural area, and we ask that you'd bring up more and more faithful men who are serving in rural areas throughout this country and that are willing to move to smaller churches, smaller communities and pursue shepherding the flock there. I mean, they, they, somebody's going to pastor them and uh, might as well be good and healthy pastors. And so I thank you for Clay's heart and all that you're doing through him. Lead this conversation. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, for those that don't know you, and why don't you just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and then what it is that you do. And I know you got a lot of irons in the fire. So go ahead and just tell us about each, each one of those irons. Sure. So I grew up in, in Western South Dakota, um, and we here in South Dakota make a distinction between Western and South Dakota. I think maybe that's similar to your Northern and Southern Indiana or Illinois, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Eastern South Dakota is more farming. Um, just to kind of put it in perspective, uh, it, it takes me 40 acres to feed a cow and a calf for a year. Wow. Uh, some of the places I know, Eastern South Dakota, they do it on three. So um, it's just a lot more fertile ground. Um, this is where, where I'm at. We're in the Northern great plains, uh, of an expansive grassland. So mm. th- that's where I grew up. I was raised on a, on a ranch. My dad, um, there was a farm crisis in the eighties where interest rates hit, you know, 18, 20, 23%. Mm-hmm. And my dad got his ranch started in the eighties oh, <laughs> from wow. nothing first generation. So, uh, that's a pretty impressive feat. Yeah, um, it is. And it, it's all thanks to him. And my mom being committed to the idea of having a, a ranch and working jobs in town. And so my mom was a teacher for 30, 35 years. My dad worked for the phone company for 35 years. Uh, so I grew up around cows, um, didn't have much use for the ranch because I felt like it took all our weekends. Uh, any, any weekend we had was spent horseback working with the cows, um, you know, getting yeah. all the things done that needed done. And so then I went away to Bible school in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, got my taste of, of big city living, as, okay. <laughs> as they say. And uh, I, you know, spent some time in Chicago during that time. And so kind of kind of got a belly full of that, I guess, as we would say. And I distinctly remember one one trip back uh, from Milwaukee, getting out of my, my car in Western South Dakota to fill up with gas and smelling fresh air and realizing, you know, uh, there's something to this. And that was kind of the seed that 
that was planted that made me want to be more involved in ranching. Okay. And so I started to become selectively involved in ranching on my dad's place, uh, helping him calve out his heifers, which is a, a, a cow that's never had a calf before. And so there's all kinds of challenges there. She might be too small to have the calf she's having. She might be, uh, she might be having issues accepting the calf because it just put her through a bunch of pain and now she thinks it's the cause of the pain and she wants to hurt it or whatever. So you got to watch them pretty close. And mm -hmm. so I, uh, I got involved there brandings, big days of, you know, trailing cattle for a couple, three miles. Uh, I would be involved in those kinds of things. Okay. And then I, during this time also, I got married in 2006 to my best friend and we have been married now, uh, coming up on 15 years in August. We've That's got great. four kids between the ages of 12 and six and we uh so i had a job at a as a youth and associate pastor at a church uh okay. there actually the church where i was saved uh, i was saved at 15 years old and uh in the youth group of this church and then i came back there after i graduated bible school to uh to serve as their youth and associate pastor i spent about 12 years there um by the time i left i was preaching two sundays every month and okay. and and then kind of facilitating, I would say at that point, facilitating the youth group uh, wasn't necessarily uh, in the same, leading in the same capacity. I just couldn't do it all. And mm -hmm. so anyways, um, yeah, so that job kind of started to dry up, um, I would say, due to church split pretty much. Uh, okay. the, the just couldn't afford to pay two pastors anymore, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so I started started to consider other options. And one of those options was a rural church. And when I say rural, I'm, I'm right now sitting in my office at the church. I'm 35 miles from the nearest gas station. So, wow. uh, <laughs> so yeah, we, I, I got connected with this church through a, a Bible camp that they do. And this is a Bible camp. Unlike any other Bible camp I've ever heard of, it costs kids $5 for the week. Oh, wow. Um, they sleep in an army tent they shower with a garden hose uh, yeah it's uh nice. yeah so the only the only building on the place with walls is the the mess hall as we call it and it's a mega panel which is 40 feet long eight feet wide and i think two and a half inches thick and so it's basically just big sheets of osb with windows and doors cut in it so, okay gotcha so those are the only walls under, yeah, only permanent structure down there so Anyways, I got connected with them speaking, and then uh, the church, you have to be on the board of the camp, you have to be a member of the church where I'm pastoring now. Okay. And so it's intimately connected to this church, and, and then their pastor retired. Oh, man, I think their pastor retired in 20, 2016, maybe. Okay. Yeah. And they were two years without a pastor, and then I uh, I came on as a pastor in, uh, in 20, in the, at the end of 2018 i think their annual meeting where they voted to bring me as pastor was the end of 2018 i started okay. preaching every sunday in january of 2019 so i've been here for just over two years and uh yeah along with that um in 2017 i started a podcast for ranchers called the working cows podcast where i interview people doing out of the box things in ranching um it's in incredibly hard to get started um land values since the 1940s have increased over a thousand percent wow and so people that bought farmland in Eastern South Dakota for $7 an acre in the 1940s have been able to sell it in the last 10 years for $7,000 an acre. So Unreal. yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a pretty, pretty difficult deal to get started in commodity prices have not matched that increase in land value. So uh, there are some things that you can do to get started. 
but you got to be willing to, to maybe look a little crazy to the neighbors. So I, uh, I interview people who are looking a little crazy to the neighbors and uh, we talk about what they're doing and how they're, how they're getting started and, and some of those things. So I've been doing that for uh, just over three years now. Very cool. Uh, and yeah, I guess uh, along with our move out here, we purchased um, a half section of land. A half section is 320 acres. One section of land is one mile by one mile, which is 640 acres. So okay. we bought 320 acres, which sounds like a lot, but it was only about $50,000 more to buy that land than what we sold our house for in Belfouche, um, you know, where I was pastoring. Uh, so it, it it sounds like a lot, but it's, it's not as much as maybe it sounds like to somebody who's, you know, used right. to paying for land by the square foot or something. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, so yeah, I, uh, we bought this land and, uh, we've got a few cows, we bought some sheep. Um, and so we bring in somebody else's cows every year during the growing season and we move the cows every day or every other day. That's kind of some of those out of the box things that we're doing so that they use the grass more evenly. And then the grass has a long, as long of a time as possible to catch more rain and sunshine and regrow okay. so that there's more left there next time you come back to it. So gotcha. that's gotcha. kind of a summary of, of, yeah us and what we're doing and, and what we're up to. So very cool. Very cool. So the land you're currently working on is not the land that your father had purchased years ago. So he, is he still ranching? Is he still in the ranch yep. game? Yep. Okay. We're, so I grew up, I grew up about four miles from the Wyoming border and I'm about 70 some odd miles from the Wyoming border now. So I'm about, you know, 65 miles east as the crow flies, as we say around here. I don't know if anybody else says that. But. Yeah, we say that. Yeah, Southern Illinois, man, we, we say that as well. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. You talk about land prices going up a thousand percent from however many years you'd said or how many decades span. And it's interesting as you look at church buildings, I think that's pretty representative in church buildings. I've always wondered how did people, you know, you see all these old buildings or even smaller buildings and the materials that they used and churches of 70, 80, a hundred people built these very nice buildings. Yep. And I'm assuming it was debt-free. They weren't getting this financed over, over 30 years. They were building as they went. And how they could do that with just a handful of people. And today, if you're a church of 70 or 80 people and, and you want to build a building other than just a pole barn, you're talking about a building campaign over a decade and, you know, financing that thing and talking about spending, you know, a million dollars for a building for a hundred people. And yeah. uh, so building cost, I think had to, had to have, you know, gone way more than inflation in the same way that land and property value has as well. I mean, there's some sort of disconnect there as you look into church history. Right. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm sitting in a beautiful facility uh, that they built in 2020. They started it in 2013. Okay. Um, and uh, it was done with all pretty much all volunteer labor. I mean, mm -hmm. I think, I think everything other than maybe the plumbing and, and I don't know, some of that might've been volunteer, but the electrical, the framing, the sheeting, mm -hmm. um, you know, all that was volunteer. And, and so they, they built this for, you know, a fraction of what it would cost to build, yeah. uh, you know, from scratch and, and yeah. So Very it's, cool. Yeah. So you, you've got all this on your plate. Practically speaking, you know, a lot of my listeners are doing this. They're bivocational, tribocational. That's what I am. Uh, and you have to be creative with your schedule and you got to be intentional that you don't get so strung out that, you know, you lose your mind and you can't remember what you're doing today or what you're doing this next hour. So for you, how does this work? Because it sounds like this has been a pattern of life for you for, for a long time. And you've been used to being around hard work growing up in that environment. But how is that practically? you know, when you've got all this work of the ranching in your hand, and then you've got this pastoral work, and I'm assuming you're, you know, 
even part-time pastors are doing a lot of visitations and discipleship and preparing to preach. And if there's a Sunday night service or a Wednesday night gathering, you've got a lot of preparation. So uh, walk us through a typical week for you. And how do you make sure you get done what you get done without neglect of some area? I mean, you know, without the tragic neglect of family, I mean, which, which obviously we want to avoid that pitfall. So how, how do you go about doing all that's required in a manner that doesn't neglect a big portion of your life? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, kind of, as you, you talked about the weekly schedule. So on, on Mondays, generally, um, I kind of hang out close to home. Um, you know, um, we called it bag dirt Monday. It'd be a good day to go out to the bent night plants and throw dirt bags around, uh, instead of, you know, you know, every, every Monday you want to, you want to, you think yesterday wasn't all that it could have been and, and all those things. So I, I spend Mondays pretty close to home kind of, uh, detoxing and, and clearing my head and, and thinking about the week to come and, and some of those things. And, and usually that might involve, um, you know, some kind of manual labor around the, around the ranch just to, you know, get, get some physical labor done and, and some of those mm-hmm. things. So just kind of good for the, good for the mind, good for the head and all those things. So then right. Tuesdays, I'm usually here at the church and uh, kind of working on, working on the podcast a little bit, working on um, continuing education stuff, working on um, just kind of preparing, preparing myself, sharpening the management acts, so to speak, sharpening the pastoral acts, mm-hmm. if you will, um, trying to get, get more, more equipped. You know, I, I have two years of Bible school under my belt and nothing else since yep. then other than my own, my own cur- satisfying my own curiosity. So uh, that's kind of how, when, how Tuesdays go Wednesday mornings, I'm at home with the family. And then Wednesday afternoons, we have release time. So the country school, this might be another interesting nugget for, for your listeners. The country school is, is just a couple of miles down the road from the church. And when right. I talk about it's a two room country school, uh, there's, there's two teachers and an aide there and there's 17 students. I think they're this year. Oh, wow. Okay. And so, um, and that's kindergarten through eighth grade. Okay. Uh, wow. And so, yeah, so it's, a, it, so Wednesdays we have release time with them. We go down there at three o'clock and we pick them up and we bring them up here and do Bible lessons with them. Uh, and then their parents come and pick them up at four o'clock. So, and then Wednesday nights, every other week we have what we call family night, which is a potluck supper and a Bible study. And okay. so, um, that's kind of depending on the week Wednesdays, that's kind of what Wednesdays look like Thursday and Friday are uh, get the bulletin, get the bullet, get the sermon outlined, uh, and sand off the rough edges on the sermon. Although, um, I'm, I'm thinking about changing that schedule up a little bit to give me some opportunity to actually preach my sermon out loud once and, and then listen back to it and kind of make sure everything's where it should be. So, um, we'll see how that goes, but uh, I think some of the, you know, maybe if we're, if you're looking for a hack that I use is I use, um, I use sermon audio, I use podcasts, I use a lot of different things, um, Mm -hmm. that are related. I I generally preach through books of the Bible. And when I'm not preaching through a book of the Bible, I'm finding a passage that kind of deals with the topic I'm covering and I'm preaching verse by verse through the passage that deals Mm -hmm. with the topic. So, so yeah, I will, I will download, uh, sermons and I'll, while I'm out, you know, digging a post hole or moving, moving electric fence, which is what we use to move the cows every day. Um, when I'm out doing that, I'm listening to something that is usually something to do with, you know, my, my job as a pastor, whether it's getting me ready for sermons or, or, uh, Bible teaching lessons or, uh, whatever it is. So that's, that's kind of one of the things I, I use to fill the time because honestly, a lot of ranch work is, uh, mindless work, like the actual 
physical job you can do without thinking too hard about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the planning comes beforehand and, and, you know, you need, you need that mental capacity beforehand to, to do it, you know, to think about how am I going to lay this fence out or how am I going to, how am I going to feed my cows this winter and make sure that yeah. they've got all the nutrients they need so that, you know, they are, they're having strong, healthy babies come calving time and all those things. So mm-hmm. those, those are the more uh, mentally taxing tasks, but the actual doing of the work, the feeding, uh, the building fence, that stuff is kind of stuff you can do with something else going on in your head, thinking about something else and still do it at a, mm-hmm. at a high level, I guess. So Right. Very cool. That's helpful. I think a lot of guys, if they're, they are praying through or thinking through the possibility of rural church pastoring or even going and finding a community and, and just starting a gathering there or going into an established church, they've got to be thinking through multiple revenue streams because they're most likely going to a church that's 50 to 70 people that can remunerate them as much as they can, but they're going to have to fill in those, those wage gaps somewhere with, with some sort of, you know, extra work. Um, but there's a lot of value and there's big country out there and, and a lot of people that need to be pastored and a lot of people that need to know Jesus. And uh, I think there's a lot of places like where you're at throughout the Western part of the country. And really even through, I mean, we have communities here, even though we're all smashed together, there's communities here of a thousand people. And, and there's a lot of communities here with a thousand people. And each one of those communities have a first Baptist church. They've got a little Methodist church. They've got a Christian church. Somebody's going to go pastor there. So why don't you kind of, I'll, I'll set the ball on the tee here. Why should guys look to, to go pastor churches in a rural context and why should they go there to stay? Not just go for a couple of years, but go and build a life there. Why would somebody do something like that? Yeah. So the guy that was here before me was actually retired when he moved to the area. And when I say to the area, he he lived 35 miles from this church in the, in the nearest town. He drove a school bus. And then he started coming out here to fill in. And uh, the story goes, one of the older gentlemen in the church who was contacting him to come out said, do I need to keep calling you or will you just come and be our interim interim pastor? And he was okay. interim pastor for 13 years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, and so he, you know, but I guess when I, when I came, I said, you know, I want to live in the neighborhood um, and I want to, uh, I want to be a part of this neighborhood as, as the pastor. And one of the questions that kind of surprised me um, was what are you going to do to fill your time? You know, what are you going to do to fill your time? So, you know, they understand, uh, one, I think, um, maybe that there isn't, isn't always a full-time salary involved in, in these churches. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then they, you know, they understand that there's opportunities, you know, a lot of, a lot of pastors have been, um, hired hands for, for local ranchers. And usually that involves, you know, a half a beef into the freezer every year. Right or more, you know, and so that's, uh, you know, sometimes part of the, uh, part of the compensation package for a pastor is never having to buy meat Yeah, <laughs> in, right. in these rural communities. And so, you know, there's just opportunities out here. There's, there's two, two good churches right now that I know, um, in the neighborhood that are looking for a pastor wow. and that, that people could come. And honestly, I think uh, many of them would be happy for a, a guy to come and do what I'm doing where mm-hmm. they buy a little piece of land uh, that they can, you know, do whatever, whether it's sheep or goats or, 
chickens or, you know, a big garden or whatever, they'd be happy if, if the guy was interested in, in kind of doing that, getting his hands in the dirt and, and doing those things. And, and it's a great place to do it. You know, I mean, yeah. We are, we are way, way far removed from some of the wildness that's going on in our country. And, and, and it's a great place to raise a family. And, and I'm not saying that we should go and run and hide, hide in the hills necessarily, but uh, it's just a, it's just a legitimate place where these people yeah. need shepherded. There's an opportunity here to, you know, uh, have your, have your, your bunker filled with canned food and, and all those things, you know, and, and so, and everybody out here just thinks that's normal. <laughs> yeah. Is, and now is there good hunting out there too? I mean, you guys, oh, yeah. I've heard that there's some pretty big whitetail out there and you get some blacktail deer out there, don't you? Yeah, mule deer. We call mule them deer. Mule deer. Yeah. Deer. Mule, yeah. They're mule. very closely related to the blacktail in the Northwest. And okay. So yeah. Whitetail mule deer. Um, you have elk out antelope. there. Real good antelope. They're moving back in. So antelope were originally a prairie animal, mm-hmm. um, and there are elk in the Black Hills, which is uh, less than 100 miles from where I'm sitting right now. So um, elk tags aren't always the easiest to draw, and mm-hmm. it's all public and public land hunting pretty much. Very little private land elk hunting in in the Black Hills, but uh, okay. yeah, there are elk. Um, yeah. Turkeys. So do you have? Can you hunt right on your? Can you can you get up, walk out on your property, and be in a stand and hunt? Yeah. yeah so cool. my land is, is a half a mile by a mile. Uh, it's half my wide, my long and about a quarter of a mile from my house. There's a, there's a dry Creek bed that runs through there. Uh, it runs when it rains or when the snow melts. Uh, and so, uh, but that's prime whitetail and, and, uh, Turkey habitat. And so we've taken well, last year, we took, uh, four, four whitetail deer and, two turkeys, I think nice. two turkeys off of that, off that place. So, um, yeah, there's just, there's all kinds of opportunities. We've taken a deer every year since we've been there, uh, at least one multiple that's, years. That's fun. So, yeah. That's fun. I took, uh, I got, I got into hunting a few years ago and I went out turkey hunting last year. Didn't get one, but I'm going with a guy from our church. He's got 800 acres, knows exactly where they're, they are. He's got trail cams everywhere. And so he, told me I can pretty much guarantee that you'll get a turkey. We'll, we'll be on them this year. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious. You said uh, there's a couple of churches in the neighborhood. So when we're talking neighborhood here, if there's 35 miles between you and the next gas station, where are these people coming from? Because yeah. if there's a, you know, there's only 17 kids in the local schoolhouse. Um, I mean, and people are separated. I, you told me off air that your closest neighbor is three miles away. Mm-hmm. So there's sudden sound like there's communities with gas stations and a pizza parlor and a there, you don't have that. So what's the community? What's the neighborhood? Where, right. where are these people coming from? That's a generous term. You're right. Uh, so when I, when I, the two churches I know of are actually 35 miles away, the other direction okay. at the other nearest gas station. <laughs> okay. So, um, but anyways, uh, and one of them is a, is a solid, uh, American Free Lutheran Church. Okay, uh, I know a lot of the guys that are elders there. Solid guys would love to have a solid uh, Reformed Lutheran, you know, type guy come in and and pastor that church. So, uh, anyways, um, I am twenty miles. My house is twenty miles from the church, and it's right. all every bit of it is gravel until you know I cross the highway to to come into the church parking lot. Okay. <laughs> so, 
it's a 20 miles of gravel to get to my house from the church. Um, and one of my board members, I think is 35 miles and all but the last 10 miles of that is gravel to get, wow. to get to the church. So we, and he's the opposite direction for me. So if I want to drive from my house to his house, it's 50 some miles to get there. And so we, we do pull in a, in from a 20, 30 mile radius, uh, and we, we get um, 75, 80 people here on a Sunday, um, sometimes up to 100, depending on the Sunday. Um, half of them, generally half of them are kids under the age of 10 years old. I always say we've got four kids and at this church, we're junior varsity. You know, there's one family of eight kids, one camp, family of six, another one with five and a few with four. And so, you know, yeah. it's a big, big, big rural families uh, here and, and just a really neat place to be. So, um, yeah, it's a, That's, it's a big neighborhood. When you start talking about the neighborhood, it's a mm -hmm. big neighborhood, but gotcha. uh, yeah, it, yeah, it does, it does take that. And, and faith is the name of the town, the other town where there's a couple of churches looking for pastors is faith. And, uh, they, they are the same way, you know, people okay. come from miles in every direction to, to come to church and, get there. and all, you know, fairly healthy, healthy congregations from what I can tell. I haven't been there on a Sunday morning necessarily, mm -hmm. but you know, uh, fairly healthy congregations as far as, you know, people and age diversity and all those things. So very cool. That's very cool. And I'm sure, I mean, I can just sense that you guys were definitely all wearing masks and social distancing from each other. And, <laughs> you know, being in South Dakota, I can imagine yeah. that that's, uh, um, you know, was definitely a, a very high value of all your people. <laughs> Did somebody's you guys think that somebody got, somebody's <laughs> going to think I'm George Clooney from uh, from Oh Brother Where Art Thou? This place is a geographical oddity. It's 35 miles from anywhere, but 35 miles south of the church. <laughs> so we've talked about 35 miles west where the gas station is, 35 miles east where the church is looking for a pastor is, and then 35 miles south is another church uh, where I actually filled the pulpit there. That was one of the things okay. that I did a lot was filled the pulpit in rural churches. So if I wasn't preaching in the church where I was the pastor, uh, youth and associate pastor, two out of every four Sundays, one uh -huh. or two out of those other two Sundays, I was out preaching in a rural church somewhere. Okay. And so I did a lot of that um, just through connections. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of them through camp and different things like that. But anyways, uh, so at that church south of of here, um, the lieutenant governor and one of the high ranking state senators of the state of South Dakota both attend church at that church. Okay. And so I called one of the state senators, and I said, "Hey, what are you guys doing with this COVID lockdown deal?" Because at that time, Christy Nome had made a an executive order, and he said, "Let me let me check on the wording of the order, and I'll call you back." And about half an hour later, he calls me back. It says uh, churches should, or churches and businesses, actually, I don't think it even listed churches. It just said businesses should mm -hmm. consider um, a, a time of, you know, closing the doors to people inside. Uh -huh. And it didn't say must, so we're going to keep meeting. And that's where the lieutenant governor attended and, nice. the, and one of the high-ranking state senators. So they kept meeting, um, and I just took that you know, as my freedom to go ahead and meet. Yeah, <laughs> and great. so we, we just kept meeting. We never actually had one Sunday where we were closed down or awesome. virtual service or, uh, or parking lot service or any of that stuff, which I mean, a parking lot service here isn't, you're, you're not out of the danger of getting snowed on for a parking lot service until like 
early June. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you're getting, I mean, you really are getting snow up until May. That's pretty wild. Yeah. 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 We, uh, some of the biggest snowstorms on record are in the middle of May, just heavy, oh my gosh. heavy wet snow. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Wow. So, anyways, uh, so they actually did, that church actually did close down for two weeks, I think, right before okay. Easter. Um, but, um, yeah, that I just I never checked back with them and we just kept meeting. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um yeah. So it, it we we never shut down, um never uh, never acquired masks. The only change we did, well, we did we did I just found the bulletin actually, and I don't know if I had this foresight beforehand. I just found the bulletin for a couple of weeks before Easter uh last year. Mm-hmm. And so we had a kind of a COVID-19 strategy laid out there. And, and one of the things we did do is we stopped our family night meetings because we figured uh, that's probably the closest quarters meetings that we have where we're eating okay. together and, and going through a food line. So we stopped that. But that was, you know, March, March of 2020 when nobody knew what this exactly. was, you know, right. for sure. So anyways, yeah, that kind of lasted through the summer. And then uh, come this fall, we were back, back on back. Yep. Yeah. And we did stream our services a few weeks on our Facebook page. Um, but the people who missed honestly don't have a computer at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they could, they couldn't benefit from that anyway. So we weren't, right. you know, we just weren't really serving, serving our congregation the way we, the way we could. So we, we, as I think after Easter, Easter was our last live stream service. Easter okay. last year was our last live stream service. And, and we went back to everything meeting. is normal. That's right. yeah. Now that's one of the advantages of, of going and pastoring a place in rural America is when it comes to practical existence and living the horse sense and just basic common sense on the coasts is out the window and it's been out the window for decades. And when you get into the more middle heartland in the middle part of America, you know, you have just salt of the earth people who have um, the ability to live life. They understand how money works. They understand how life works and they're able to process information in a way that doesn't, you know, they're not panicky. They're, they're, they're not freaking out like the coasts are. And I've appreciated some of the towns that are local to us that are sm- the smallest communities have handled this in the best way, even in Southern Illinois and in a way that everyone should learn from. And, you know, they're the most ridiculed and aligned people in America as well. And that's some of the most frustrating thing to see from, from media. And we just turn the media off. We don't listen to any media or anything. I get right. I've got my dumb phone now uh, that I use and that's, that's been fun. I'm off off Facebook and Twitter and it it gets to the point where you just get so frustrated. And uh, I tell you what, there is real advantages just to any listener out there that's considering the possibility of, of rural America. There's something to build here for the generations. And if you move to South Dakota and you know, you connect with clay and you say, well, man, maybe I want to put my resume at that church. You can build for the generations there and you can really not just isolate. You don't have to leave like the Amish. You can actually go there to build. And anywhere you go in this country, you can go to build if you're committed to generational work of raising up your children and the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And, uh, you know, if I wasn't firmly committed to Southern Illinois with roots here, with family here, with a commitment here to our people, I tell you what, in a heartbeat, in an absolute heartbeat because south dakota is becoming like this destination state right now i don't know if your region is or your area is but man everybody's eye is on like south dakota florida Mm -hmm. montana you know wyoming west virginia even and uh you know if we didn't have these roots here and people that we have to take care of and and love we would consider something like that but uh 
but man, um, I love it. Spearfish, Spearfish is kind of a, a really neat little town in the foothills of Black Hill of the Black Hills. It's kind of where the Black Hills start, mm-hmm. uh, and it is yeah, it is exploding. I mean, the the lumber yard in Spearfish has been out of building materials forever. Wow. <laughs> you know, just as soon as they come in, they're already they're gone. They don't even they don't even get unloaded at the lumber yard. They just go to the building site and dump them out. <laughs> you know. That's yeah. wild. And it's, and it's, you know, every time you go to town, it's Minnesota, California, New York, Texas, all these plates, out of state plates are there and it's not tourist season right now. So, you know, I yeah. mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And, it, yeah. and you know, I mean, to back, you know, kind of talking about that as, as far as the economy of South Dakota, um, each, there's like five sectors of agriculture, crops, cows, um, poultry, you know, whatever, uh, each one of those individually brings more money to the state uh, by itself than tourism, which is our number two industry. So wow, <laughs> uh, we're an agricultural state yeah, uh, through and through. So yeah, that's yeah. cool. Um, well, why don't you go ahead? We'll, we'll do two more questions. And I always ask people at the end of the interview, just tell us why they love Jesus. I set you up to praise God for his grace. And that's what we want to focus on as we close out is just let's look at Christ together. Uh, mm-hmm. But before that, why don't you go ahead and tell people if they've enjoyed this, if they're looking to maybe reach out or contact you, where can they find out more, more information? Where, they, where can they find you? Drop the name of your podcast earlier. Um, but where can they find more info about your show? And by the way, for those that are listening in, like his show, yeah, Clay's show has really blown up. And he's doing some really great things and has some really great opportunities with that. And so if it's interesting at all to you, definitely check that out. And if you're, you're coming over here from, you know, being just a a fan of Clay's, thanks for coming in. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you being here. Um, But why don't you go ahead and tell us where we can find more information about all the stuff you're doing. Yeah. Workingcows.net is the website. And um, so I've done 181 episodes as of yesterday i released episode 181 so i've um, been doing it for about three and a half years now and yeah so just a good opportunity been really good for my continuing education and uh it's it's all about you know natural soil health concerns and stuff like that so it's not something you've got to have you know you don't have to know all the all the different uh, chemicals and things like that to make to, to understand what we're talking about it's all uh, just basically as i see it ranching uh, on what god provides grass, rain, sunshine, and, and soil and making all those things uh, more effective for you. So uh, yeah, I think it'd Very be cool. interesting for anybody. Yep. Very cool. All right, Clay, the man, Christian man, husband, father, pastor, rancher, tell us why you love Jesus. Uh, I love Jesus because I know me. <laughs> I, I spend a lot of time with me and uh, I know how undeserving I am of, of his grace. I know how undeserving I am of, of his blood shed on the cross, uh, in my place for my sins, taking the wrath of God that I deserved, um, that I, you know, I've, I've definitely earned the wrath of God and I have not earned any of his favor. And so, uh, that's Jesus's, Jesus's, uh, yeah, he, he awesome. took that for me. So, amen. Amen. Guys, we've been having a good time here talking to Clay Conry. Appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Jared, thanks for having me.